Welcome, everyone, to the Iron Fist podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. Respect your sensei. The Iron Fist podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 111, Lead Horse Back to Stable, is brought to you by Joe's Pizza, the best slice in New York. It's, it's chewy because what passes for food in this world is poison for both the body and soul. Although, Pete, to be fair, I think he does start to put an asterisk next to the power of pizza, but we'll get to that in due course. Want to mention that some of you listen, of course, on the Iron Fist podcast feed. Others of you listen on the catch-all pop culture podcast by Fantastic Geek feed. And Pete, we are running a little little contest for those uh, new reviews to the pop culture podcast feed. Tell us about that contest. Yes, connected with my trip down to Albuquerque, New Mexico uh, to uh, see Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad's stomping grounds in January. Uh, we are giving away a uh, box of a Cinnabon, a Cinepack. Actually, it's the certificate. You would go pick up the, the Cinnabon at your local Cinnabon. Um, and this is going to be drawn on Thursday night, April 17th, uh, after the uh, 10 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time live tweet of Better Call Saul by myself. So uh, get on there to iTunes, pop in Fantastic Geek, leave us a review. doesn't have to be a positive review just to get your name in the drawing there. And we will draw that on uh, Monday night. Time to step inside the dojo and deconstruct this episode. Pete, we open with Monk on the Run, Monk on the Run. Actually, it's a great shot. There's lots of greens and grays and blues shown in the overhead tracking shot in what will be revealed as the uh, the mountainous area outside Kunlun. We see Davos finding Danny, both in mottled, dirty yellow robes and quite the uh, quite the oomph to start the episode. Watching it, knowing they never ventured out of the New York City area to film, I'm like, all right, is this the Palisades? Did they... You know, maybe go to, uh, you know, the the fringes of uh, New York to do that. But it really does do a good job of setting the, the Kunlun vibe. Um, and the unconscious Danny there flipped over, freshly burned, maybe, onto his chest. The mark of the Iron Fist wakes right up, lights up the fist there. He did it. The trial of uh, Lao, and uh, he's the Iron Fist. He unlights it there, and Davos explains the people need to meet the immortal weapon. Uh, he'll be his second. There's a great uh, camaraderie evident between the two of them. I'll stand beside you on the pass. We'll be the protectors of Kunlun. And as he's helping Danny back, uh, Danny says aloud here, uh, it's not what he thought. It's not what any of us thought portending the, the trouble between them in the episode, but now he has this duty and they're going to face it together before we're whooshed back to the present day, Matt. 
By the way, as Danny opens his fist, uh, great use of what I'm assuming is a practical lighting source, a real lighting source, which is lighting his face. That lighting source fades away as his hand opens. Uh, certainly a nice little effect there. But as you mentioned, Pete, we are brought back to the modern day. Danny is uh, inspecting uh, his wound. Uh, of course, the wound he received on his side in the previous episode. Um, and uh, he kind of mentally flashes back to the cave, to the fight from the last episode, to seeing Colleen. And uh, with that, Pete, we are taken to the title card, which, by the way, identifies the director as Deborah Chow. Uh, Pete, this is a, uh, a gal who has directed uh, an episode of Beauty and the Beast. That's the CW show. Uh, six episodes of Rain, which uh, holds a special place in our heart, having seen the pilot episode in New York Comic Con. Uh, she did an episode of Fear the Walking Dead, as well as uh, the episode of Mr. Robot entitled Eps 1.5 underscore BR for so and so forth, because it uses those weird names. But the episode 1.5 Brave Traveler, she is certainly a hard-working director joining uh, the, the Iron Fist family in this episode. Absolutely. Um, uh, Rain and uh, Beauty and the Beast, again, having such a such a dear place in our heart. Let's just say that this was clearly our favorite thing that we've seen her connected with. <laughs> uh, regardless though, Pete, after the title card sequence, we have Davos doing what I think in the biz is called restacking. Uh, at the very least he's restating. Uh, we aren't being chased. We need to get to Kunlun. Father can help reset your chi. Uh, Danny wonders how Davos found him in New York. You know, how one of the most recently famous people in the country has been found in his hometown. <laughs> um, Davos comes right back. He used the internet. And with that, Danny smashes his phone. Pete, this is perhaps the most egregious thing that we've seen on the show. To smash a phone? Yes. No. I'm, I'm kidding, of course. Some <laughs> of the gender and ethnicity stuff is much more serious. But Danny, be nice to the phone, for goodness sake. Well, the concern that Bakudo, given the uh, equipment Danny says he saw in his office, which I'm I'm just going to point out factually, um, he never saw uh, listening equipment in his office. He saw it in the listening station that was in a whole different um, area. So whoever was minding the continuity there, not so much. But he's fairly certain that the uh, the phones could be tracked. Uh, important to note what we saw before it got smashed was the New York Bulletin headline there. And uh, quickly related that the New York Bulletin website was the first place we saw the Defenders date as uh, August 18th. Love that they have uh, seeded that and used what they clearly uh, mocked up in the time that they were post-producing this show to uh, to work that way. Indeed, if you head to nybulletin.com right now, uh, they have an exclusive interview with the Rand Power Duo. There's a web ad for Chikara Dojo. Um, and, uh, and I'm sure if you start to click you know, it quickly becomes uh, clear. It's not, it's not, uh, you know, that the website doesn't run too deep, but it has some prior covers, Rand Rises, Luke Caged. Uh, where is the it's devil? It's cute stuff. It really, it really is. is. And, you know, as a, as a former full-time newspaper man, are there some things that, that definitely shouted out as being fake for certain? 
Um, but again, to go through the trouble of doing that and um, to, you know, the number of times that they've used the bulletin in a non daredevil show in this show um, has, has been well done. Uh, by the way, Pete, that web ad for uh, the dojo uh, redirects to thewingway.com, which is its own website. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of cute stuff. If you have not uh, checked it out at this point, definitely check it out. It, it, it's a little bit of a rabbit hole. It's not tremendously uh, time consuming, but um, you're, you're going to go and explore some things. And I, I think um, on a viral level, uh, it's flown a little bit beneath the radar, but uh, no less worthy at that. Well, Pete, we are acting like we have all the time in the world. But you know who doesn't? That's Davos, who also restates the urgency of the particulars. If they don't get back soon, the opening back to Kunlun will close. Uh, Davos also restates. A lot of restating here, but hey, it's the top of the episode. We're making sure everybody's oriented for for where the plot is headed, uh, restates the fact that Danny has abandoned Kunlun because he's supposed to be the Iron Fist there. And uh, Danny, however, responds saying that he's fighting the hand here in New York, but he's reminded that he should be back at Kunlun. Um, you filled us, Danny. That's my spot on English accent, by the way. Uh, how about the disclosure to, to Davos that the hand murdered Danny's uh, parents, I think, is important as well. Um, so there's clearly this diametrically opposed position. Danny feeling like he belongs in New York where the hand is. Davos feeling like the Iron Fist, which we'll later discuss, he feels attachment to personally uh, belongs back protecting uh, not only the way to, but also the people of Kunlun. Uh, Danny also says he still needs his second. He needs his uh, help uh, the, or the help from Davos. Uh, Danny swears that once the hand is done here in New York, there will be nothing uh, nothing for him and he will return to Kunlun. So I kind of like as we are as we are restacking the deck here, it's like this must be the final push and then we can both get what we want. Uh, the scene wraps with Danny saying that he needs uh, he also needs someone who will patch him up. Gee whiz, Pete, I wonder who that will be. Yeah. And then, oh, who was that girl? Is that the one that is going to uh, patch you up? Uh, no, no one important. With that, we cut to no one important. We cut to uh, Colleen returning to her dojo, which clearly has been turned over. Uh, Bakudo is there as well. Where did you go, Colleen? Why didn't you stick to the script, Colleen? Why didn't you just do better, Colleen? Respect your sensei. Pete, is Sensei explaining a thing? It might as well be here. Um, it, it's completely apparent now what Bakudo feels uh, he is supposed to get out of Colleen and that she's returned to her ransacked dojo and he shows up alone um, and ready to take her away, but gives her this last, uh, last opportunity that when you make contact with, um, Danny, you're going to let us know, uh, where he is. And this drives the episode on top of the guilt, Matt, 
of, well, you know, we're your, your, your family. We have uh, people now in all walks of life. There's, there's Kevin Michener, Matt. Let me tell you about Kevin Michener. He was orphaned during the incident, which <clears throat> I think we've underplayed at this point in, in, the, in the New York Marvel series is, is the sky opening and Chitauri warriors and space whales coming through as an incident. You know, an incident is something that happens, you know, in the ATM, ATM line at the bank, uh, not at the top of the world there uh, in New York City. But I digress. And then there's Becca, Matt. You know Becca. She's she's training to be uh, a doctor. She's in medical school here. And just the malevolence that the hand has somebody interning in the mayor's office and somebody in a hospital when we've seen what the hand has done in, in a hospital setting, let alone what they could be planning Matt with the mayor's office defenders. Uh, I like that in this moment, it is this bit of exposition serves Bakuto's point that the hand is doing good things while surreptitiously, and I mean that in the best sense, seeding that later on we will go see Becca working at the hospital. Um, so it, it doesn't stick out like a sore thumb, like, you know, follow the breadcrumbs to where the story is headed next. It's a, it, it's a moment in and to itself, but also setting things up for where we are headed. And it's the classic brainwashing trope that this is family. We took you in. You took others in. You have a responsibility not only to me but to them and uh, really works effectively as far as twisting Colleen, who we know her motivations to be pure, that the line did not sit well with her. The story moves to Claire's house. Pete, she's reading up on kind of the intersection of Eastern and Western philosophies, isn't she? Some really interesting titles if you look at it there. Eastern body, Western mind, the subtle body, customized healing, the new Chinese medicine handbook. These are all library books. The, uh, the library numbers are visible on the spine. She's on the couch, Matt, reading Essential Reiki when we get the knock, the knocking at the door. Uh, indeed, it's Danny and Davos. Uh, Davos meet Claire, Claire meet Davos, Davos meet everybody else. I know it's nobody else. It was just, it was the hey, how you doing portion. Um, Claire's su uh, surprised by how much blood there is from Danny's wound, which initially I was like, what? She's used to these and actually is uh, leading towards the fact that he still has the, the tip in him. Uh, and indeed, we cut to Claire yanking the head of that, uh, that uh, metal stabby thing uh yanking it out of him danny is now bleeding faster so she staples him shut oh my goodness pete i have that stapler it is upstairs i mean not the one they use in the show i have that model um horrific and also a little funny as she's uh giving a little extra stapling action to uh to combat his sass i was surprised in a scene ostensibly as desperate as this is that if they don't get him to a hospital he's going to bleed to death how funny it could be that they're stapling danny rand i don't know how much of that that we want to see 
Danny stapled <laughs> played into that. Um, but it, it's effective and, and yeah, it's, it's funny and, and played as cute though, not played cutely. There is some exposition about how much Claire knows, how much she should know. And uh, Danny shoes Davos away so that they can speak privately. And uh, Danny goes on to say that perhaps Gao was pushed out of the way by Bakuto on account of the latter's uh, having an army that he wants to build. And uh, at this point, Pete, I think it can be fairly stated that Danny gets kind of tempestuously angry, tantrum level anger here. Colleen lied to me. She's been using me. Uh, he kind of needs to just uh, take a breath and count to 10. Yeah, something we'll see a little bit later from uh, Davos. But again, he doesn't have a gigantic hole in his side with some sort of object in there. Uh, speaking of holes, Pete, uh, after Claire reiterates that Colleen and Danny really are meant for each other, uh, she gives him a nice clean shirt. Pete, this shirt has holes in it. It's from that other program, The Luke Cage Show. Yeah, I like that in addition to uh, Claire as a touchstone between these two defenders who have not yet met that we're, we're so anxious to see team up in um, Danny Rand and Luke Cage, who have the closest association of the defenders. Now he's wearing Luke's bullet hole, bullet ridden uh, T-shirt, which uh, is just a, a nice nod. With that, we cut to Harold hitting the old punching bag, as you know, as as we all do as men. Uh, he he, just like you and I, Pete. He hits it hard enough for his knuckles to bleed, breaks the bag as sand pours out. He looks really happy. Uh, clearly, the subtext here: he's kind of testing the lengths uh, or, or or the 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 ability of his strength, and uh, is pleased by it. You had pointed out the hands previously um, before he died in this course of the narrative on the show not the not the cancer death you know back when ward killed him um when he had cut off his uh fingers and now punching and you know he's got blood from the punching but the the fingers are all back so it's definitely something that uh you made me pay attention to there you go pete uh, you're happy, he's happy, Joy is happy too. She's been running the numbers all night and has found some funny money business. Uh, it's unclear whose uh, funny money it is. Uh, Harold then kind of states it clearly that uh, Bakudo is taking Gao's money. No, no, Joy says. It's actually Rand money. I was a little unclear, Pete. So what did she find if she found Rand money? Uh, it does get cleared up in a little bit. Uh, she is, uh, she, she does call it able to be given to the SEC. That's the Securities and Exchange Commission. I uh, would give the SEC a heart attack. Uh, and Harold says he's found a silver bullet. I was still yeah. slightly confused exactly what was found. <laughs> but to be fair, the episode gets into it in a couple of scenes. The malfeasance going on is is something that they can hold up and potentially use as a way to bring uh, Harold back into public life. So that that's his number one objective at this point, and uh, to be able to use the the tablet that that Danny uh, brought with all those files makes an A to B to C connection. 
back to Claire's place we go. Davos is in the apartment proper. Danny, we are told, is meditating on the roof. Uh, Davos is to watch over her. He will not eat the poisonous food of this world. Food like the New York slice of pizza? What? Pete, is there a purer food out there than a New York slice? I Not for my money, man. Definitely not for my money. You can go to other parts of the world and you can order or be served something called pizza um you know but it's coming in a dish or served on a cracker or whatever it's gonna be so you know davos he's he's just not a believer yet side note there's a really great uh, pizza place right by madison square garden where uh, we have hit up a few times uh on to and fro uh, for new york comic-con so proof pete that uh pizza fuels the world i guess Back to Claire, though, and back to her reading. She's been uh, reading up on all this mystical stuff. There are cases where uh, where this intersection of East and West has helped shrivel tumors. It might be the real thing. Speaking of real things, Pete, are dragons real? Of course they are, Matt. I mean, Komodo, Pete's, or my dragon. Um, you know, you, you can't think... Uh, small, as Davos instructs, you have to think infinite. Uh, indeed, Davos says defeating a dragon, Shao Lao, uh, gives the power of the fist. Uh, so how do you do that? No, 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 you don't kill Shao Lao. Uh, he's undying. Uh, Davos mentions that he is not the Iron Fist. Danny, of course, was the one chosen to enter the cave. Um, Claire goes on and says that Danny's trying to make the world a better place. And uh, is told, though, that the world is not Danny's place. Danny has stolen the fist from Kunlun. Pete, I hope we're setting up some more Kunlun stuff in future episodes because it feels like it. Um, Davos starts to get really, really upset. He apologizes for the storm inside himself. He calms himself. Pete, you just need to push your feelings away. Put them in a nice little box and push them deep, deep, deep down inside you. That's always what you do. Don't let those emotions cloud the actions, but the the storm, Matt, at the, the center there and where he cut off that uh, with the Iron Fist stolen, it was supposed to. And ugh. so clearly Davos, as he brings up later, that this was his birthright, that his father, Le Kung, and the elders chose an outsider they clearly see something in Danny that they did not in Davos. With that ding dong, the pizza arrives. Claire decides to go downstairs for it, which works out well, Pete, because the delivery guy is Colleen Wing. No, no, she's not moonlighting. Uh, she's already paid for the pizza. Um, across the street, by the way, Pete, in the background, there's a banner for the new Harlem Renaissance, um, which, of course, connects back to Luke Cage. Um, but on this side of the street, Jessica Hennick's accent is wavering across the pond a little there, mate. Um, but I digress. Claire rips into Colleen for lying to Danny, lying to Claire. But Claire just might let her in after all. And we've got the uh, the address again on the awning, 588 uh, 145th Street, called out in a, in a previous episode. But having paid for the pizza... And Matt, what, what's better to smooth things over, really? Is there a problem pizza can't cure? Uh, no, no. In fact, Pete, part of the reason why 
politicians don't use pizza summits is because they know how effective it will work. It'll take it'll take the attention away from them. So, indeed, cowabunga pizza time is uh, is the order of the day. Missing out though on that pizza is uh, Danny, who's on the roof, still meditating. He's also doing some of these stretchy moves, which you know cause his rather serious wounds to start to bleed a little bit. Um, so I don't know that now is the time to be doing kind of abdominal stretches, but yeah, you know, he does it anyway, Pete, because he is a gamer. Yeah, that this is a musical interlude. I, I feel like it's been a while since we had non, you know, uh, scored music and the way that it's done and him, uh, flashing back to various points, the cave, uh, kissing Colleen and then seeing her in the booth, uh, his mom to ultimately come back to him at the, um, the passage to, from Kunlun stacking rocks. And there's Davos there. Hey, do you see anything? No rocks, clouds, the same as yesterday. So immediately there's this ennui that he faced his big responsibility as the guardian of the past. Um, Davos points out that, you know, you know what you're going to do for the rest of your life that, you know, it's, it's simplified. It's easy. And there's the, the shining city on the, on the hill in the background behind them. But clearly it's not a responsibility that Danny took to. Indeed, the notion that he is sitting here guarding the past, certainly a potent one. From the past, we return to the present day. Uh, Danny back on the roof. There is some recap about the Bakudo attack and uh, Colleen saying it's not an army. It's more an empowered camp of goodness, Pete. Uh, then they rehash badness and goodness of the hand and uh, also hit upon the fact that Colleen feels sorry for Danny, but Danny doesn't trust her. So uh, with all of that hopefully clear in our minds, Danny redeclares himself as an opponent of the hand. She redeclares that she uh, she's uh, sworn herself to help the hand. Um, so some recap certainly there, Pete. Again, orienting us. You know, I, I don't. I'm, I'm not trying to sound critical. It's just orienting us to the characters' positions. All out of antibiotics, as Claire is. Matt, I, I think I think Colleen might might know somebody she could get in touch with. Though we go back downstairs, where uh, Davos is, uh, of course, eating pizza the wrong way, which of course he points out is not horrible. Uh, a little too much out of Rosario Dawson with the the fingers together. That's how you react uh, to Joe's the best slice in New York. A little over the top, but again, for a wider audience, okay. With that, Pete, Danny arrives. He says he's ready for action, ready to go get Harold and charge on in. Uh, but, says Claire, isn't that what the hand wants? Are they counting on you to charge on in? Uh, there's a pause where Claire then asks Davos to step outside again. Pete, this dude cannot stay for any of the talks. He must, thank goodness, Pete, he's so in control of his emotions because I would feel a little offended. Um, though Claire, sa Claire says that she's worried for Danny. He can do more than destroy the hand. Um, she doesn't know. Are you clear on that? She does not know why he left Kunlun. 
again, I, I'm really hoping that's a, a question we get fully answered in future episodes. It's almost like we're headed towards that as a plot point. Um, but Danny wraps the scene by asking for Claire's car. At the hospital, Matt, and it's not clear whether we're at Metro General or not. But there's Becca, and she's different from other medical students, Matt, because she has red highlights in her hair, which uh, could potentially point her out as a member of the hand. Ooh, I hadn't even thought of that. I did notice the highlights, her as a, uh, as a sporty gal. But uh, there, there she is, sure enough. Pete, they're going to step aside to have a more private conversation. <laughs> so they move five feet to the right, which was... I, I saw the very same thing. I'm like, oh boy, that's... No, you're, you did not go far enough. But for somebody who was... And, and let's look at the redemptive tale here. They took a girl who was pickpocketing on the L train and they repurposed her. Uh, Colleen helped to train her and now she's in medical school. So as as social justice works, that's a great thing. But then, yeah, there's this whole organization that Colleen seems to be in the midst of uh, figuring out is really not something she wants to be involved in. And amidst all this, uh, Becca seems convinced to go snag some antibiotics. Let's stick a pin in that for a couple scenes from now. Uh, we go back to Harold's apartment. Danny rolls on in, hugs Harold. Uh, Joy is hurt that Danny lied to her, but Harold reminds her that Danny was merely respecting Harold's wishes. So some nice, subtle uh, reaffirmation of his paternal oomph amongst his uh, daughter and kind of de facto adopted son. Uh, at this point, Davos is brought in, and Harold confirms that Davos isn't an Iron Fist either. So, with all of us clear on this, they have a sit-down. Bakudo is stealing Gao's money. Whew, thank you, because I was legitimately not clear <laughs> by the previous money scene. Uh, they are common criminals with good marketing skills. What a thought there, Pete. Yeah. Um, <laughs> once Joy turns off the money, they're going to come out and strike. It'll be easy with the two best fighters from Kunlun, these guys in our corner, one of which is the Iron Fist. Uh, you know, Danny, of course, does not say, by the way, Dad, my Iron Fist isn't working the way it used to anymore. Um, Joy double checks that they're still talking about arresting Bakudo, right? Crickets, crickets. No, says Danny. He must be taken out. At this point, Harold is How about smiling what with says Clay. taken out? You're going to cut off the head. Matt, the snake will die, Hail Hydra. <laughs> um, the notion that Harold has helped manipulate his children, and, you know, I'm being a little liberal here with uh, Danny as kind of a de facto child, and, uh, you know, well, I can't really think of a child connection for for uh, Davos, but, you know, he these these younger folk, that he's manipulated them, the, the gleeful smile on his face just says it all. Um, at this point, Pete Joy does... The acting move of pensive bite on thumb while looking to side and thought, oh boy, Pete, what, uh, I, I have to think about that. What's next? Hmm. Well, let's focus on what makes this scene go. And that's David Wenham. Without his, it's not even clear and I don't want it to be, whether it's feigned enthusiasm or not, but clearly the the handoff from Danny to joy and having Davos around to witness this 
he is the engine that's driving this story of pulling the plug on the Gao Bakudo money connection. Back to the hospital we go. Colleen is waiting outside in, uh, you know, the back area where deals can be ambulance done. Ambulance bay, man. Look like ambulance uh, bay maybe even like a, an alternate ambulance bay. Uh, Becca brings the meds because, you know, you follow orders with the hand. You follow orders, Colleen. An SUV rolls up and uh, Becca says the Colleen was supposed to report back uh, and didn't after seeing Danny. Um, because you follow orders, it's four on one. Pete, they're all wearing the classic hand shade of red. The leather awesome... jackets, too, Matt. You know how they're bad guys in the hand. They have leather jackets on in a scene that was doubtless filmed in very early September, given that we were at New York Comic Con the Saturday that they wrapped shooting three episodes from now. You would think it's an awesome time for a fight, but nope, Colleen just goes with them. And uh, Pete, back we go to Harold, who's getting his goons ready. That, of course, would be Singleton, who we've seen Harold around before. But now, Matt, you know, you'll feel better. He's got Gary. Pete, it's always better with some Gary there. What a, what a jokester that Gary is. Uh, Joy is taking the joke a little bit less. She's shocked. Are we really going to murder people? And his dad's plan really to just come back just like Danny. Um, she's nervous. All of these machinations could make everything worse. Here, again, David Wenham plays her reluctance perfectly uh, through the lens of his disintegrating emotional state. He yells at her, then he smoothly tells her to just shut down the accounts and he even strokes her shoulder completely paternally. No funny business. Um, and she just looks up at him like he's creeper numero uno. And again, David Wenham in the driver's seat for this scene. Gives her the Atta girl there. And we're counting down to when she can pull the plug and flush Bakudo out into the open because his money bags, the piggy bank, got taken away. We return to Colleen. Um, she doesn't know where she is. We don't know where she is. She's strapped into a wheelchair, and uh, the students won't tell her where she is. That is because, as Bakuto arrives, they respect the chain of command. Uh, she has let Danny infect her with uh, doubt over their cause. Bakuto, at this point, is given whispered message. Uh, and Colleen kind of gives a whimpered uh, whisper herself. Um... And uh, he says that in her final moments, though, she will still be helping the hand. Pete, take us down to the blood bank. Yeah. And this, I think, was perhaps the most interesting part of the episode, only because we've seen this type of infrastructure before, albeit never this well lit. Uh, in Daredevil, we have um, there's a pair of uh handcuffs to a chain hanging that are clearly, you know, doused in blood. And then there are all of these cages with uh, blood bags inside of them. So whatever I've called it voodoo before, you know, uh, wh whatever kind of juju magic that the hand dabbles in that they're able to bring people back to life. 
is in some way connected with this uh, not quite certified blood bank, Matt, before they bring her, Brian and Mary do, to an area where there is all this uh, repurposed hospital equipment. Thanks, Becca. And no sanctimonious speech this time, Sensei. No single arrow is easily broken speech. Um, the, the, the venom from Mary, very well yeah. performed here. Uh, Colleen headbutts Mary, sending her to turn around and look in the mirror. Wait a minute, Pete, Mary's belt knife is gone. Uh, at this point, a great fight breaks out. Colleen cuts herself free and beats the two of them good. Um, although, oddly, the presumed finishing move is done off camera. Yeah, and whereas you pointed out the woman-on-woman uh, -woman fight back when they went to China, which I found worked, um, her, Colleen, taking care of Brian with the arm and then having the girl fight here, while it works on paper given what Mary did and the resentment she harbors towards her former sensei, once they kind of square off, it, it – really didn't work much for me from a action standpoint. I'm certainly newly sensitive to the comment that a listener had made that for the audience in general, having a, uh, a male villain beat up a female hero, or I suppose any, any male beat up a female might be, you know, there might be certain sensitivities there, even though at the end of the day, Colleen's going to win and whatnot. Um, the fact here though, that there is no, you know, the beating largely is one way. It's Colleen beating up the two of them perhaps uh, makes all the more egregious the need for I shall fight a, you know, my primary fight shall be with the female. But regardless, Pete, back to Danny, who's in Claire's uh, car. Pete, he must have heard my questions from earlier in the podcast season about how he got a license so uh, quickly. <laughs> He's got no license, but it's different. He's rich. Oh my Enough God. Said. What a, what a, what a line there, Matt. What resonance to the line and uh the the backstory here really enjoying uh davos as a character pointing out that you know uh they they stole brother ko's cart and uh you know danny wanted to uh you know drive to the unpaved path and you know uh look at the uh the girls at the lake from the village while they were bathing, but instead all they saw was Lake Hung in his private meditations in the nude. Danny also says he gets uh, flashes, sometimes flashes of anger. Uh, Davos blames Danny from straying from the path set up by their master. Uh, Danny uh, Davos had also set out wanting to be the Iron Fist, which I think was kind of in the air but had not been clearly stated here he wanted to be protector of the pass danny won it and has abandoned them why did he do it davos wants to know are we going to get an explanation now pete well kinda danny says he's always felt empty ever since the crash he thought that being the iron fist would fix that but it didn't uh he had doubt he was looking for a sign and then pete gotta hand it to the show the Hawk imagery that was a little nebulous from the first couple episodes. It's now explained. Danny uh, saw the hawk. It appeared uh, to fly down the mountain. It was clear to him that the way was open. The hawk showed him a path, and Danny took that as a uh, signal that he was to leave. Davos says maybe it was a sign that the path was open and needed protecting. Boom. Yeah, I love that Sacha Dewan's character comes back to that, like, Hey, can we look at the obvious? You saw something get in, 
because it came it's never explicit it's implied from the earthly side because uh, you know we have a dragon here and this is a hawk something we see in our world and that that he points him squarely to that and that diametric opposition that the two have the resentment over the possession of the fist by one when the other felt that he could have it. And we've heard Danny speak before, not quite knowing whether he should pursue a thing, just feeling that he should pursue a thing when Davos has the purpose that Danny lacks, despite the fact that he's been told you are the sworn protector of Kunlun. You will pursue and destroy the hand and really kind of mucking up the situation. With that, it starts to rain because atmosphere. And I don't mean that critically, Pete. Rain always ups the atmosphere. Uh, Danny sees Colleen jump out of a compound window. Uh, Danny's supposed to wait, but instead he goes after her. Uh, she is ready to fight him. She wants destruction. She has also realized that the hand is not what she thought it was. Um, there's uh, also water dropping right off the edge of the camera. I've never seen this in a rain scene before. Uh, I, I personally found it a little distracting because it went on for about 20 seconds. Um, maybe though, Pete, maybe this was the best emotionally authentic take. And if there was a little imperfection uh, in, in, in the camera, so be it. Ultimately, though, Pete, they hug. They are on the same page. Davos watches. He sees them hug. He realizes they have broken the rule of the Jedi Order. And Davos walks off disappointed. Sparring partners, let's look at who Danny faced off against in this episode. Pete, first up, the uh, the new architect of all that is bad in Danny's world, it's Bakuto. Yeah, he only gets uh, two scenes in this episode. The, the I'm going to give you a chance scene, and now we're going to steal your blood scene. Um, but it's effective in how it's meted out. And he has a moral code that we've not seen with the hand still their agenda is wrong pete actor ramon rodriguez brings to bakuto a certain um there's a there's a likability there even when he is being uh stern you can kind of understand i'm not team bakuto i'm not team hand but you can see how other people get get brought up into this guy's sphere of influence and how easy it is to look at him and say, yeah, sometimes he's, sometimes he's nice, nice. Sometimes he's tough, but he's a guy I want in my corner. Uh, Ramon Rodriguez brings that to the character. Pete, next up our favorite baddie, I dare say it's Harold. Yeah. And the, the, the glue uh, of this unusual group of young people that have formed a, a family been thrown back together in a, in a stew. And uh, he's got this single minded purpose of coming back to public life. Now taking the offensive uh, against the hand that's had Gao taken out of commission and, and Bakudo, uh, you know, 
distracted uh, with Danny. As noted already, Pete, but worth mentioning again, the the gleeful way in which Harold realizes that this sworn enemy of the hand is making moves to take out whoever is in charge of the hand. First Gao, now Bakudo, um, and the fact that Harold views himself as in the driver's seat of these machinations. That is what makes him such a great villain. Pete, last on the list, from the highest highs, Bakuto in charge of this organization, Harold in charge of a shadow organization himself. Pete, let's take it down to the streets. Let's talk Brian and Mary. Leather jackets, surly, bad attitudes, Matt. They are what you need in, in the rank and file of the hand. Just completely malleable, corruptible youths that you know mary is cantankerous in her need to kick colleen when she's down brian gets his arm broken seconds into a fight um yeah let's let's build around these people and you know what pete the deepest cut is that that we know a mary and she's not like the mary on iron fist so that's that just adds adds the hurt of the betrayal of the character of Mary in this episode. Absolutely. Time to focus our chi and look inside this episode. Matt, let's begin with what Danny did not think the showdown with Shao Lao or acquiring the Iron Fist would be. Well, as I've said before, I hope that in these remaining two episodes, which, uh, of course, I have not seen because I am hashtag spoiler pure, uh, at least in this existence, it's different in the framework, but I digress. Um, I hope that we get more of that. I feel like the, the episode is absolutely setting that up for us. And if we spend the next two episodes in the terrestrial plane of New York City and don't get more of that as an explanation, um, I think not only will the story be be, be lesser served but the fact that we're tugging on that string and then to not follow it uh to me would not would not be a good thing so hopefully we get the answer to that um i think i somehow sense it's more than this idea of the heavy mantle that is placed upon him or the fact that guarding the past is actually a very boring thing uh, i hope there's more to it and i hope we get it in the next two episodes there's an archetypal nature to what's going on there going into the cave uh you know i i i feel my empire strikes back here matt only what you take with you to to battle um so i really dig that aspect to it that um davos as the the number two as the sidekick as somebody who was deemed not good enough to to get that mantle um, you know, help him realize the, the responsibilities, but clearly, you know, Danny from his own words had not considered that. So, you know, we'll definitely put a pin in that. Let's talk about Davos mentions several times, never, you know, one to two. However, Lekung is his father. I was surprised by the use of the word father uh i believe it was done first at the end of last episode and certainly uh, at least once in this episode i'm currently taking it as um 
you know, father to us all, the the father of the of the monastery, that sort of thing. But it's it certainly would be interesting that uh, it would it would it would be an added layer to to Danny's outsider nature if uh, if it's revealed that uh, Davos is the the literal son of the uh, of uh, Lakeun the Thunderer. Lastly, Matt, all these highly placed hand members, Kevin in the mayor's office, Becca as a doctor, where else are they that we should be worried about? Well, I think from a from a writing room point of view, they are wherever you need them, which is a really, really handy thing. I mean that with, with zero sense of criticism, um, whether it's for this for these remaining two episodes or coming up in defenders, the notion that you can have bad guys be at the highest levels of power anywhere that you need to go is, is super handy. No pun intended. If you're asking for a specific prediction, here's part of the fun about living hashtag spoiler free. I don't know where these two remaining episodes go. And I kind of like that. It's not like, Oh man, there's going to be the daredevil Fisk showdown or, Oh, for surezies, we're going to have the Punisher. He's going to leave, you know, he's going to leave uh, on a noble note uh, to go off on his own by the end of this season. Um, no way that that the Purple Man is going to make it out to the, to the end of the season. I kind of don't have a sense. You know, we've seen, we, we now have uh, ostensibly two heads of the hand out there. One, you know, uh, under lock and key, but in terms of... Uh, being being uh, for play story wise, so I don't know, and that's kind of a fun place to be. Let's listen to some messages from the mystical city of Kunlun. Matt, we go to Facebook, where uh, Dan the Webmaster uh, writes in. This was great, Pete slash Matt. Hilarious commentary about the ice cream slash gelato and poor Kyle and everything else. Loved it. Well, thank you. Uh, Thank you, Danny. Or can I call him Danny? Thank you, Dan. (laughs) Um, Though this is not a perfect show, we've been having fun watching it, having fun discussing it, and and I like that that started to come through a little bit in the podcast. It's not always about, you know, uh, returning from the dead, hand zombies, and things of that sort. That We're having fun. That's what it's about here, isn't it? Well, you know what it's about for me, and, and all of those things are true, but when Matt has received no less than four pints of Talenti Gelato, since that riff in that episode um, that that fans are picking up on that. So let's let's continue sending him Talenti's gelato, please. <laughs> please. No, I saw it in the store a couple of days ago. I was just like, Meh. and I was like, oh, the the, the 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 better brands are they're on sale anyway. Send so him the cornflakes one. I, Pete, I could imagine circumstances where a cornflake ice cream uh, could be pretty good, or gelato. Pardon me. Um, do you know the difference between truly? Do you know the difference between ice cream and gelato? Uh, I do not. I will explain to you because I have a little bit of education in this now, thanks to a uh, buddy who owns a, uh, a, a ice cream place that specializes in uh, vegan ice cream. Uh, 
ice cream and gelato, the difference, uh, gelato has not been allowed to freeze till it's hardened. So typically things fruity or other types of things that have uh, ingredients work a little bit better with a gelato than with an ice cream, which has to freeze to a certain temperature. I apologize for not knowing the temperature. This has been a posthumous Matt Kyle's Corner. Wow. Well, Pete, if nothing else, hopefully we have inspired listeners out there to make their own ice cream slash gelato now that they know the difference. What a treat that would be. And indeed, Pete, speaking of treats, what a treat that we are kept on the uh, internet airwaves by our patrons from patreon.com slash fantasticgeek. Thank you so much for uh, for keeping the podcast going, not just week to week, but also making sure that we have the uh, we have the bill paid, the bills paid to keep that whole back catalog up. Well, all our listeners are wonderful to us. Our patrons in particular, Matt, help us keep uh, the lights on and so many of the the things that uh, we think separate us, uh, you know, uh, happening. So uh, you get yourself uh, at least exclusive podcast content with uh, any level of donation. And then there are specific levels that will get you uh, a little extra something. Big shout out to the aforementioned uh, Mary Kirk to the level that she gives at. Always appreciated. And of course, Pete, the best treat of all. No, it's not that other company's gelato it is talking to you on twitter how can people do so you can find me on twitter at peter p-i-e-t-e-r-j-k-e-t-e-l-a-a-r 9154 followers can't be wrong and while i am personally on twitter as looking back lost we are fantastic geek that is fantastic with a p and h fantasticgeek.com fantasticgeek at gmail.com Fantastic Geek on Twitter and Instagram as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com forward slash Fantastic Geek. All one word with the PH, the place to be. Pete, looking ahead to next week, Monday, episode 112 for uh, Iron Fist. Wednesday, the next episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Friday, we finish off Iron Fist. But the Iron Fist fun won't stop there. We will, of course, do a season wrap-up. Uh, before we start to uh, reset for other things and look ahead to goodies in the summer, etc., etc. But, Pete, that's the future. For right now, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. The people need to meet the immortal weapon. <laughs> <laughs>